Welcome to your typical Shona protagonist. He's Kai. I'm Kells. And welcome to a belated ooky spooky month episode with the first series of Monogatari. It's Bake Monogatari. First off, Kai, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. This was a very good, good watch. Um, I hadn't watched it before. You know, it's one of those things that set me back from being top weeb in the world. And I feel like I'm collecting all my weeb infinity stones. And this is definitely, this is definitely a weeb infinity stone. Yeah, man, you have, you have talked about this one as like one of the pinnacles of popular, like cornerstone anime for a while now. And we have talked about putting it on the list, but needing to do Halloween month, um, it all kind of came together where we could just watch a large portion of the Monogatari series throughout the month of October. Of course, starting with Bake Monogatari. Now, the Monogatari series starts as a series of light novels, and that is eventually turned into an anime um, back in 2016, 2017? Which is exciting. Because it is one of the, I mean, I might be putting my numbers out wrong because it does totally feel incorrect. But um, the anime for Bakke Monogatari coming out in 2009 is kind of this art house, like cinematic directorial experience combined with the ooky spooky world of like Japanese yokai. And it is just so wonderful. No, I agree. It's very, it's very, I don't even know how to describe it. You know, it's one of the few anime that like gives you that sense of like wonder and true spectacles that only can be created by animation. You know, like I don't want to ever, ever fathom this being created live action or any other medium. Like animation is what this was made for. Animation was made for this. It is... Uh, very much so one of the jewels of anime, in my opinion. Um, and that's just like, you know, me just watching this a week later, you know, I, I could see why the series itself is rated in, you know, such prestige, such as like up there with the Fate series, um, up there with, you know, all the, all the great, you know, all the great series and stuff like this. Like it deserves to be up there. Certainly. Um, it is it is wild that it is so visually unique in the presentation of its locations and like thematic artistic elements all while having very little intense action. It's a whole show based on dialogue and relationship like interaction. So when you do have those intense moments of action, it's like, oh my God, we finally got here and it came kind of out of nowhere and it's fucking wild. But that's not to say that the buildup, the mystery, the intrigue, the the spooky spookiness of each of our yokai uh, is not equally entertaining and intriguing because it, it is just that, the mystery of what's going on why is it happening? How is our hero of justice, Araragi, gonna find a way to help this girl or that girl out of her predicament? When all he can do is, I don't know, be a friend. And I that's mean, that's this show. It's wild. Yeah, I know. And it's even crazier just how, like, I know episode one, um, it's wild because like you're just like okay they're in the school but where's everybody else and you realize kind of what's going on as the series progresses like how it really is just a focus on the main character um and the person he's dealing with like the female that he's dealing with at that moment so the rest of the world is kind of empty just to show that focus on those two i was like okay that's a real crazy artistic like choice you know it's really wow to just omit the background but i enjoyed it i think it paid off definitely at a a certain point you have to kind of let go of the fact that you're not gonna keep track of exactly 
where our characters are in space. Like they are in this location and this location is not going to change until you know it is. Just let go and experience the directorial influence as an entertaining part of the experience. Um, and part of this, part of this uniqueness is also why it's never been dubbed into English. Uh, Fully Cooly kind of had this issue, but it was taken on like head on. And a lot of the cultural Japanese references were changed to uh, like Western references that would make sense in the kind of same vein. But with the amount of jokes and references to Japanese culture in this show, which is fine, but it's also one of those things where you have to pay extreme attention to, to like fully comprehend what they're talking about, where their jokes are going, that it's been incredibly difficult to localize that to a Western audience, which is kind of rough, but you know what? It's what makes the show entirely unique. So I'm not mad at it. No, a hundred percent. Um, it's one of those shows, like I said, you know, the risk is worth, you know, um, it paid off the same thing. There's a lot of comparisons it has to the fake series for me, but on top of like, you know, characters, one of the ones is the risk taking, you know, the fate told the same story like three times. I mean, it might've even been four actually. (laughs) Um, but yeah, each one was a banger, you know, like saber stories kind of fell short in some aspects, but heaven's filled a limited blade work, you know, I was like, yo, these are crazy. It's the same story from different point of views, different routes and focuses with like, you know, changes. But could you imagine my hero being towed three different ways or like freaking even Dragon Ball Z? Like you go through it once as Goku's perspective and then go through it once as Piccolo's perspective and then you go through it as Vegeta's perspective. Like, oh, or even could you imagine if my hero was told where Deku never threw a punch? Yeah. Like, but no, certainly back to the fate uh, comparison. Um, imagine if I like, okay, Saber Story kind of fell short, but also it was like done in 2006. So imagine if they did the Saber Story now. I want them to, man, but they said they won't out of respect to like Studio D. You know, like screw that, man. I don't care. Which like, you know what, Studio D did their best um, back in know. 2006. Yeah. Um, but no, that's how but. I feel about the Monotagari series, or at least Baka Monotagari so far, is that it took a lot of those risks. Um, like I said, with having the bear audience, um, having not having like being a harem, but without all the girls being together was really dope as well. I feel like that's the first time I've seen this. Where Yo, yes, this is definitely like a precursor to how our goat of the slice of life world rascal does not dream of bunny girl sent by this is that same exact storytelling format that makes you care about each individual female character other than the fact that they're trying to smash our main character i like that has feel the influence that has a tinge to it it's what makes it a harem but equally like each character is unique each character has their own interactions with our mc and it's not all about getting into his pants. I agree. I'm like, I definitely feel, I definitely feel the influence of Rascal. I've, well, I feel the influence on Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl from this with the supernatural element, with the um, girls being, you know, their own people. Like, yeah, I, I just had to look it up on Annie List. The top thing, or AnnieList.co, yes, which. The top thing that gets recommended on Bakamon Tagare is Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl. Like, that's Which the- is damn near spot on, except Bunny Girl perfects that format. Yes. And a less like supernatural, traditional yokai vibe. Just like adolescence is weird vibe. I agree. Like, um, adolescent syndrome is compared to like. I feel like adolescence syndrome, it's drawn from, uh, what's the, you don't get a name for what these characters are going through. Just like the algamations of the yokai, 
like their issues that get turned into like you know the crab, the snail, the monkey, snake, and cat. Um, you don't really get like a syndrome or anything like that for you, I believe. Yeah, it, it's very supernatural. It's very much a this person was in a weak period of their life due to whatever circumstances they're going through, and a literal demon from a different realm has attached themselves to them, whether by you know transaction or happenstance or whatever, and is now like a manifestation of whatever it is. So certainly this is a hundred percent ooky spooky traditional yokai. Like these are just demons that exist and can attach yourself to it if you didn't pay attention. Which is a fun part of this. It's like, okay, show me more ooky spooky shit. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And um I really liked one thing I want to talk about is do you want to get into the girls yet, or do you want to save that for a little later down the road? Um, I think now is a great time to kind of get into the story uh, with each of our girls and whatever point you have. Okay, so starting with um, contender for best girl, uh, Sin Guhara. I really liked, so <laughs> I really liked how she is how she's kind of an enigma from the start. Like, you know, at the beginning you see Subasa and Koyomi um, sitting talking, and he's like, who's this girl? You know, like, she's like a fragile like piece of, like, you know, she's an anomaly. Everybody thinks she's so beautiful in this, but she's never here, and what's going on? And Subasa's like, she seems so fragile. And He's asking all these questions about her and he hasn't really like having connections. And then you see him just kind of like walk out and she's there with like a box cutter, I believe was the first thing she like held to his throat. And Man. like automatically all of that is like shattered when the first impression of her. I thought that was really nuanced and I really enjoyed how basically all of our dispositions were just blown out of the water the second like we actually get to see her through the characters, i.e. our eyes. I thought that was, like, crazy how they did that in that instance. Certainly. Like, the, the whole intro scene where, like, she's falling out of this whole-ass, like, uh, Sky. stairwell. Yeah. And, like, she's lighter than a feather. We get the ad introduction, but then we move on to, like, the, the reality of their day-to-day life and, like, the initial interaction. And it's a whole ass deal. She's this Sundere character that whips out a fucking box cutter and is like, you're going to leave me alone or I will murder you mm-hmm. with office supplies. Like, what if I take this this staple gun to your eyeball? Like, yeah, she's got the staple gun. She's got the scissors. She's got the box cutter. And it's all like held up to his throat. I'm just like, OK, you know, this is what we're doing. That's what we're doing. But, you know, it, then it turns into a whole thing where it's a supernatural problem and our boy Araragi's got a supernatural solution with his mentor, Meme Oshino, which is some blonde specialist in the world of yokai sitting in this abandoned cram school because what the fuck else is he going to do? <laughs> yeah, he's... He's interesting he's like yeah i got all the answers even though i don't but but he does which is the wild part yeah yeah go ahead oh no i was just agreeing with you yeah no like like it totally feel like there's some enigma around oshio oshino but like you're because you're always like is he full of shit is he just playing araki like does he actually know what the fuck is going on in the supernatural realm have you ever turns seen out, Mob Psycho? I have not, no. Oh, he kind of reminds me of the character Reagan from Mob Psycho. Like, even though Mob Psycho came after, and he might as well be an inspiration for him, it's just like, that's the vibe that I get from him a little bit. Like, it's not like he's ignorant of the occult, but there's nothing he can really do about it, but he kind of just coincidentally uses common sense to solve occult issues whether they are real or not. 
I can kind of see that, yeah. I can kind of see that. Um, certainly, he is incredibly knowledgeable about the occult um, within Japanese folklore. Like, there's not a problem that Araragi brings to Oshino where he's not like, I don't know what the fuck this is, but like, good luck. Like, yeah. he knows every issue that Araragi brings, but it's kind of also like a mentor relationship. Like, at some point, you can't just bring all of your oogie spooky problems to me. So, like, you need to start learning how to deal with these problems. Yeah. No, but that's like four girls in, man. Yeah, he's definitely like that character who. Like, you know, he does have a lot of information. He was the one that was responsible for our boy, you know, not turning fully into a vampire, I believe. Correct? Um, um, I don't know, which is kind of the exciting part. Let's talk about this right quick. I kind of love that Bake Monogatari introduces us to this world of um, ooky spooky supernatural stuff going on to regular people. And we get kind of dropped into the beginning middle of the story. Stuff has already happened. Stuff has happened. A situation has been set up. And we are introduced to it like mid-story. So there is stuff to be revealed forward. And there's stuff to be revealed backwards in the past to fill out our picture of the entire situation. Which we get to see. We get to see each of our girls have an individual uh, issue with a yokai that's causing a problem. But also we get to see the fact that all of these yokai are tied together to an original event that happened before the series starts that we don't really know about and we don't really get to see in Bakemonogatari. So it kind of leaves that, that hook. It leaves that, that taste in our mouths for wanting answers so that they can continue to tell more stories, which is exciting. Like, I yeah. want to know how the fuck did Araragi become a vampire in the first place? What happened to Shinobu where she became a tiny vampire? Like, what is that story, man? I want it. And I'm sure we will be told it later on in the series as we're going to watch. Yes. But like the seeds are planted. The questions are raised right here in Bakemonogatari. Which I very well will be exploring all of these, um, as you will be with us, because we are going to do, well, we're going to do at least four of them this month for Spooky Month, but after that, it's, I'm still going to keep watching. So, Yeah, but, man. But yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's run down through our girls right quick, um, yeah. which feature kind of the, the primary arcs the primary story arcs for Bake Monogatari. Um, we have, they're based on their uh, yokai. So we have Hitagi Crab. So uh, Sinjo Gahara, our resident um, Sundare, is burdened by a crab taking her weight, taking her physical weight to lift the issues and problems tormenting her. Um, now, she was assaulted as a child, and her mother let it happen because she was in a fucking cult. Yeah. And that's just ooky spooky as can be. Uh, so she's not doing okay. So she's like, I'm just going to murder people that come at me with office supplies. But of course, um, our boy Araragi is like, yo, I can help you. Even after she puts a box cutter to her neck, which is kind of the thing that makes her fall in love with Araragi. They go to Meme, or they go to uh, Meme Oshino. He helps them do a whole crab ceremony, and she accepts the, the trauma that happened to her, and the crab spirit is gone. She now raised like a regular person, and then we keep on rolling with a love story that is Araragi and Senjo Gahara, which yes. is kind of fun. Yeah, and it's funny... Because I watched an anime called In of Grisha. It's it's interesting. I I liked it. It was good. It may not be for everybody because it has some like adult spooky themes as well. And one of the characters um always tries to kill people with a box cutter and actually straight up looks like um homegirl. So uh Hara. So I'm like, oh, okay. Uh this character was 
directly influenced from her. That's what I gathered while I was watching this. And I was like, that's crazy. Um, I'm hype about that, kind of, not going to lie. So, yeah, I thought that was really interesting how deep stretching this goes. Um, I'm just going to, like, show you who it is. Just It's the one on the far right in this picture that, you know, they can't see because it's a podcast. But... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's totally Sinjo Gahara. Yeah. And I'm like, now that I'm looking, I'm like, they're all like modeled after Monogatari. And I was like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Like, I'm going to make you I... watch this. Like, it's going to happen. But wait. moving on in our Yokai Girl lineup. Wait, that's for um, Content Breaker November. <laughs> Monster Girl Month. Uh, no, for, for our um, Monster Girl lineup, we've got. Mayoi, Mai Mai, the snail. Um, so of course, our boy Araragi is off on an adventure. It's Mother's Day, and he's like, fuck my mom for one reason or another. Um, and despite his sister's protest, I guess her pa- like his parents are divorced. He has two sisters, and he has opinions about his mom. So he's like, I'm just gonna go not do Mother's Day and winds up in a park and yes. he finds a spooky spooky ghost of a elementary school girl with a huge ass backpack called Mayoi Hachiguji my god Hachiguji that one and her whole deal is like she's looking for her house she's also a kid antics ensue other than the fact that like they can't actually find her address because that's kind of her her ooky spooky burden. Yeah, she can't like be found, I believe, like or she doesn't like it's weird because it's like she's just I don't want to say hers is like the least amount of one, but her issue it was a f- she's already dead, so it's like it was a fun like mystery in the what is going to happen after box cutter girl becomes friends with our MC. Um, but certainly like stakes in this show impact in the overall storytelling other than just having another character, not super huge impacts in, in the overall progression of the story. We do get a little bit here, um, where our, uh, our class president shows up and is talking to him and is also like, um, I just thought you were crazy, but I didn't want to tell you. One of the girls shows up at this time. It could be, I, I forget if it's Senja Gahara or if it's, um, Subasa. Subasa. One of them shows up and is like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. I believe it's, um, I want to say it's Sinigahara. I don't believe that it's Subasa. Or, no, it could be Subasa, because I think Subasa finds a way into, like, everyone's story. So, I think it is Subasa, actually. Um, Which, you know, it, it's just a hint that, like, they're a good friend, but also are like, mm, it's a way for him to recognize that the girl of this arc is not alive. Yeah. Because they were playing along and didn't tell him they didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. So, like, the mystery of who this little girl is continues because his friends are quote-unquote nice. Yeah, no, like, um, yeah. So, it's, it goes to show you, like, how, I don't know, this one was, like, the one that, like, kind of, I don't say it, like, fell flat for me, but I was, like, just, like, eh. Like, (laughs) I don't mean to be, like, rude. But it was good. It gave you that instance of like, you know, the afraid of being home is also like real. And it was really sad that an elementary schooler lost her life in a tra- uh, traffic accident. Like, that was sad. Her story was sad. But like, when you find out she was dead, it's like, oh, God, the stakes are lost because we can't really help you. I mean, we can give you like peace, but like, you know. Yeah. Now, one thing I do want to talk on a meta level is I was kind of amazed at the fact that the intro for this like story arc was different. And that's one thing that Bakamonogatari does for like 
each story arc for each of our girls, like the intro animation and music is totally different. Yeah, that's kind of fun. By the voice actor, I believe. I don't know. <laughs> we're 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 running off of fifteen minutes research here, but certainly it is fun. Um, and it it goes throughout. Like, um, Sugara Monkey has it. Uh, Not Echo Snake has it, which is the song I've seen on all the, the fucking anime OST lists of like the Monogatari intros. I wouldn't even have that song be like my jam if yeah. I was going to put a like. But anyways. <clears throat> That's the one I've seen. Yeah. Um, But of course, we find out the whole secret, and she is now another girl in our main character's harem, apparently, even though she's fucking dead. No discrimination here. True. And I believe that there's only, like, two of them that are actually, like, in love with him, I believe. Or, like, he actually has feelings for, but... I, I would say that there are three girls, two of them we haven't really encountered yet, that all have feelings for our main character. Senjo Gahara, his now girlfriend. Yes. The girl that has the Naraka, uh, Nariko snake, uh, Sengoku, has an yes. um, adolescent crush on him. And Subasa. our class prez, Subasa, also is intimately in love with him. Which um, I hate it for spoilers. Yes, but yeah, we move on to our next character, our next little arc, the uh, Suruga Monkey, where <laughs> the basketball player is secretly in love with uh, Sengo Senjo Gahara and is like mad that she has a boyfriend. So she whisses on an ancient monkey paw that is in like given to her by her dead mother. Hmm. Alive mother? I don't really recall. But it's causing problems. It's attached itself to her left arm, and she tries to kill um, Araragi, and it all goes to her, like, hoping with the fact that, like, Senja Gahara will never love her in the same way she will, and that's okay. Yeah, you know, it's, um... This was a self-acceptance one. Um, the monkey paw was cool. Like, the raincoat fight was dope. Like, man. Yeah, the moment, like, like the mo- like the first opportunity, we see- we start this arc, and Araragi's on his way home, and he gets murked on the train tracks. That was a moment, like, I had forgotten that this shit was so violent. Yeah, and I believe He's- this is a fight where you find out he can't die as well. It's possible because he gets like domed and like blown the fuck away. Or and it's not like, that he can't oh, die. You find shit. out about his like regeneration problem powers. Like and how I like, feel like I feel like we might learn that earlier, but certainly this is where it's definitely on display. Yeah. Because like after that immediate situation, Sindra shows up and is like, hey, you gonna be all right, vamp? And he's like, yeah, chief, I'm good. And then she's like, I'm going to stand over you and you can bask in the glory that is my upskirt. And we're just like, oh, what the fuck about that trolley that's coming through? Fuck that trolley, man. Like, <clears throat> I thought it was like, this is also again where you see his like, I'm going to save you mentality, you know, like even when someone's literally trying to yank you, it's like, I'm going to be stupid and Put your safety in front of my own. That gives him that, you know, vibe of hero of justice, if you will. And and certainly in this one, it's where, like, he's even going beyond the spoken desires of his girlfriend. His girlfriend's like, stay out of my past. Don't ask fucking questions. Just, just like, enjoy the now. But no, he's like, I gotta go, like, save your friend and, like, love you in secret and like all of this shit and it's like okay cool it turned out all right this time but what happens when it doesn't what happens when your meddling causes problems for other people mm-hmm. uh, but no certainly uh that is the story of the hero of justice like what happens if your your all of your helpfulness turns bad yeah you can't save everybody like which is a, a lesson that shiro emia has to learn 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell me about Shiro Emiya. So, Shiro Emiya is the protagonist of the Fate Stay Night route. Um, had to go through all the fates in my head. <laughs> um, the Fate Stay Night route's protagonist. He is a... Um, He's a mage in the Holy Grail War, the fourth Holy Grail War, I believe. And he's basically sure. has these routes where he has to, one route he has to save Saber, another route he has to save Sakura, and the other one he has to save Rin and kind of himself in the same way. Um, but yeah, no, he's a hero who his dad wanted to be a hero of justice. And Shiro is also the result of the third Holy Grail War, like exploding and killing everybody. And he was the sole survivor of that um, tragedy. And it was like so much going on. And yeah, he developed this like hero syndrome that he's going to save everybody. Like he's going to do the burden no matter what it takes. He's going to save them. And there's a lot of parallels to the Fate universe. Or at least the Fate Stay Night route. And Molotagari is what I'm saying. Because there's different routes, different stories. Um, I don't know that much about the Monosagari because this is our introduction to it. Um, and I have seen not all because I feel like that's viably unheard of to have seen and know all the fate lore. But there are some people out there who do know that. But me, you I know. Pushing the, you're certainly pushing that plus casual level of fate knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, I'm a little bit more than your average um, but yeah, I'm definitely out here with a surplus of knowledge for the stay night routes and, you know, the norm. And I see a lot of similarities between Monotagari and Fate already. One being the main character is that, um, they both have this hero complex where they want to save these people, um, with really nothing in return. And everybody kind of like looks down on that as a dumb ideology because in this world you can't do it. They both have like dark undertones. And I feel like just the complexity and the storytelling in both of these mediums are, like, two of the best, like, to do it. Like, they're both, like, upper echelon animes, like, series. Yeah, man, I, I agree with you. Um, in Bakemonogatari, it's really the experience of we have an immortal main character that doesn't fight. This is not a battle anime. This is 100%. Our main character is going to fight you with friendship and words and just get the shit beat out of him, like, obscenely while trying. Arms, whole ass broken, fucking body gore galore. It is wild how violent and grotesque this show can be all while not being incredibly violent from our main character standpoint but he's like i have a responsibility to help and kind of his growth as a character is learning the importance of himself to his friends who happen to be his harem um but also like his own personal value of those relationships more than just the base level. I will do what I have to for my friends. It's like the long term, do what I have to versus the short term, do what I have to like die and solve the problem or like live and help deal with the problem incrementally. And like, certainly he wrote a justice syndrome all the way, but um, it's, it's interesting. The, the character progression of uh, Araragi. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, but yeah, and I believe we got two more girls to knock out right quick. Um, yep, then uh, not Echo Snake, which is one of his sister's friends from middle school, winds up getting cursed when she rejects a boy, which this is one of those wild fucking Japanese things where, like, the girl who likes this boy curses her for rejecting him but also the boy curses her for rejecting him, so it's like a double snake territory bullshit. But, like, this is one of those fucking... I feel bad. Fruits baskets. Uh, This is one of those fruits baskets bullshit where, like, the club Prince Yuki hates everyone who, like, would dare insult Yuki. Like, anyone who would turn down Yuki... 
they hate, but anyone who would like talk to Yuki, they also hate. And it's like, my God. Yeah. This is fucking gnarly for like children. They be like doing wild shit out here, man. Like, like cursing people with like demon snakes, man. Fucking gnarly. Hey, don't be rejecting people if you don't want demon snakes on you. But like, this is where we get more etchy shit. And this is where we get like really more um, ethical decision making for Araragi. Because the whole deal is like you do nothing and you let Son Goku die. If you do something, which you shouldn't, you then send the curse back to whoever cast it. So the boy and the girl who cursed her, probably not intentionally, because we find out like it wouldn't have done anything unless she happened to be at the specific location killing fucking snakes. Yeah. Um, you're gonna like send this curse back to them and they're gonna have the exact same problems. So like he specifically caused these two children that we never hear about again, which is wonderful. That's how fucking storytelling works. Uh, just sweep problems under the rug if you don't want to talk about them. Um, but certainly as a character point, like you just cursed these two children, like by your own doing, which kind of plays into his hero of justice thing. Yeah. It gives him that little bit of that little bit of midlife crisis and it's going on of like, well, not midlife crisis, introspective dilemma of like, oh, God, what did I do? Like, you know, and it yeah. goes to reshow you, you can't save everyone. Like, even when you try and help someone, you could be causing harm with someone else. It's like pain speech, bro. Like, which is such a fundamental way of life. It's like you're going to hurt someone in your effort to help someone, unfortunately. And uh, fucking with the spirit world is not a game, man. True. Like, Which is, um, what's his bucket? Uh, Oshino's. That's his whole thing. Like, yeah. you're going to be a vampire, which you can stop doing at any time. But if you keep fucking with the spirit world, the spirit world will fuck back. Yeah. So that's one thing that's, um really happens is that you can't, you can't expect... Yeah, it's like you can't have this power without, like, a cause, you know? Like, this power does have a repercussion. Like, there's no shortcuts. This power is going to have its fair number of drawbacks and everything. Yeah. And the biggest thing is it's his decision. It is Araragi's decision to keep this power and continue to fuck with the spirit world because he feels some kind of obligation. But at any point in time, he could go back to being a regular human. Which I hope kind of plays in later with the other uh, Monogatari series. But I, um, yeah, I know there is one of them where there's like an epic fight in one of them. And that's the one. I mean, there's fight epic fights in all these, but like there's one that's like truly like regarded as one of the best fights in animation. And it wasn't in this one. So I'm really hoping we get there in the four that we're covering for this podcast. Yeah, man, we'll have to double check. Uh, but our last girl. El Presidente with the Subasa cat. And we get an introduction to kind of like more history of the the series. More history about um our Uki Spooky Vampire in um what's what's our Uki Spooky Vampire's name? Uh Shinobu. Shinobu Oshi. Yeah, Shinobu. Oshino? Yeah. Yeah, we get, like, the world's greatest vampire, Shinobu, which happens to be a little girl in most of the series. We get an introduction to, like, we get, like, a 15-frame flashback of her as, like, her greatness. Yeah. And what happened back in Golden Week way back when. Um, But our our uh, class president is possessed by a cat spirit, the metal cat, which is an embodiment of of her personal stress. She is a character who has gone through a lot of personal stress. And the first time this stuff happens comes from her family situation. Yeah. She's got and a lot of that, stuff going on in her, you know, in her home life and stress on her family. Yet she's being a model student and everything. And it's probably one of the most common and relatable things. I feel like in the Monotagari series is that for people who hold things together, um, so well and like kind of neglect letting things out 
it becomes a true like is where we get her curse from. I believe she's the only one who transforms. Like her curse is like linked to her, you know? Like there's yeah, no like, separate thing. Yeah, per, well, we have the uh the monkey's paw as uh an embodiment of the deal with the demon. Yeah. For um Hitagi. But uh no, totally. Like this is one of those full body transformations entirely non-conscious and it's like oh shit but no certainly like this is evidence of if you bottle up your emotions and you do not have an outlet for like how excuse me how you feel about your life and how you live your life and your ability to affect change in your life it can really fuck you up and it in this case, you can, you know, be possessed by a cat demon that can fuck other people up. Yeah, no, Black, um, Hin, uh, Hinagawa, Hinaiwa? Anyway, her alter ego, I love, is, is my favorite monster. And, like, I don't know why I'm like this, but, like, is a contender for best girl for me. Like, because I just, you know... Step on me energy, kill me energy, or weirdness. I mean, I'm just mad you didn't have that same opinion about uh, Sandra Gahara. He's like, I'll fucking murder you. No, I did. No, I'm saying, like, they're both, like, <laughs> I told they're both, like, on that same level, you know? Um, and I feel like Zog would get a kick out of this, and this would be his best girl, too, for obvious reasons. Um, but I really like, you know, that I, I didn't see the Neko Mata transformation coming. You know, I that was a pleasant surprise and subverted expectations. I knew something was going to happen. Um, but as far as, like, hers being so deep-rooted, which I felt like was next to Singagahara, was the best one. Like, like the best issue cursed going on. And I thought that was really cool. And I really... I don't know. It's I feel... Maybe it's because I feel like he had a more, like, grounded connection to her, to Tsubasa. I thought that he was going to end up with, like, Tsubasa. I mean, granted, he already ended up with Sugahara before Tsubasa came along, but, like... But, yeah, how how deep is the Sinja-Gahara relationship, you know? It's one of those, okay, well, how, how the fuck ethical is our boy in relationships now yeah. that now that Tsubasa loves him and they've been friends forever and he owes her, her his life, like, what's gonna happen to what the fuck's going on with our Sundre character? Uh, but no, totally. Um, w- probably factor... I'm gonna go with factor number two, okay? Mm-hmm. She's the most most etchy character of the show. True. Uh, well, okay, at least of this last five episodes. So, um, for those listening, the broadcast version stops at episode twelve. So we have uh, Subasa Cat Part One and Subasa Cat Part Two, which features the episode where um, Araki and Sinjigahara like go experience their first date and like. We have a dad car drive where it's like, holy shit, he just fucking has a talk in the car. And then it's like, how fucking weird. Um, But it continues three more episodes that were originally posted on the uh, Bake Monogatari website as ONAs, um, which complete out the Subasa Cat story where we really get to see the adventure of our class press being a cat girl. Um, she's the most appropriate etchy character in this show, I would say. But, um, no, certainly all of the interaction we've had with Araraki and, um, Subasa feels like if anyone else, he's really gonna go like wind up with romantically. If anyone else we've seen that has a relationship that's not a child. It's gonna be class president who cares, answers his phone calls, helps him out. It's gonna be class president. And when he's like, yo, you're just being a punk bitch. You couldn't say this to my face. 
And that's disrespectful for everyone who's ever like tried. It's like, oh, damn, no. But then he's like, I guess I should be proud that class president loves me. It's like, oh, shit, no. I felt like that was and kind of a whole move on his part, though. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, like, kind of. Kind of, yeah. Like, she's been putting yeah. out with all your stuff and you're like out here being like, really, my guy? Like, I don't feel like a whole move on his part. But yeah. in the end, he was like, yo, no matter what, you said it yourself, even in a spooky, spooky ghost form, you can't change how people feel. And I love Senjo Gahara. And that was kind of interesting where, where, like, that was a plot point brought up. Have you ever really been in love? Like, have you ever really known true attraction? And it's like questioning his relationship with Shin, uh, Senjo Gahara. And he's like, no, fuck that shit. Fuck everything. I do. I do love Senjo Gahara. And watching her be back at like the classroom helping set up their bullshit for the like, cl- like school festival. Yeah. And like feeling that spoken into the universe. That was kind of cool. Yeah, that was cool. I rocked with it. Um, I was like, of course, you know, this is what happens. And I'm glad that I'm glad that we got that because I feel like we needed it. And, you know, I hate that she did like the whole like haircut thing at the end. But who did the haircut thing at the end? Didn't homegirl cut her hair at the end? Uh, Subasa? Not that I remember, but maybe? I could be tripping, because I ain't gonna lie. I started the next series in preparation for the podcast. I- okay, yeah. Um, Coming back, like, scrolling down the wiki for Karen B. Uh, look, whole ass looks haircut, but I don't think she cut her hair as of Bake Monogatari. We end the their relationship part in the schoolhouse and they meet each other she's sitting at a desk he's sitting at a desk and they're studying but like she's the same old uh uh same old subasa yeah it's totally in the first episode on news and because i wouldn't check mobby on that one um yo what um no i do feel like this was one of those series that also oh i meant to talk about this the the hair the headlines this is the anime of the headlines i see what they mean by that after watching bakamon jakari like everybody does the head turn thing i'm just like that is the staple for this yeah man i was not paying attention (laughs) but uh i will be for the next series yeah And, um, this is one series, you know, I gotta say, after I watch it all, it's definitely gonna be one that I have to collect physically. I don't know how hard it will be to get the Blu-rays, but obviously they exist because we watched the Blu-ray version of, um, Bakuman Tagari, and that's the first one, so I imagine they would have them for all the other ones that came out afterwards. Uh, I do know it's gonna be, I think, like, $138, though. Like, I am so mad at the current, like, streaming publication of Bakemonogatari. It's like Verve has the Blu-ray animation but in 480p and only up to episode 12. Mm -hmm. Like, what in the flying fuck? But you know what? I guess I'm glad that it is available. This is a show that is available on legal valid streaming sites, so I can't bitch too hard. I mean, I can, but yeah. <laughs> um, no, you're right, though. I'm definitely... But this is, like, you know, for me, I see this having the potential once I completed it to be something like, you know, maybe not as high as Fruits Baskets, but, like, up there with Fruits Baskets and Evangelion and um, Digimon, just being something I want to collect, you know? Like, I want to have the physical copies of all this. and Certainly. Uh, I'm probably going to pursue that once I finish all of Montegari series. It'll be... I gotta get the Fate series first, though, because I can't go out here and be one of those, you know, new age Christian folk. Um, I gotta... I gotta get Fate first and then work on Montegari series. But I enjoyed it overall. I mean, 
I guess Fate did come out in like 06 and this came out in 09. So, all right, fair play, fair play. <laughs> I'm only buying the Heaven's Field though. I'm not buying like every iteration. <laughs> like screw that. I'm buying the three movies of Heaven's Field in. Come on. Unlimited. At least buy all of the main story. I might. Unlimited Blade Works. I might. And then Stay Night. That's not that much. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm not asking to buy like. I don't know what the other side arcs are. Yeah, I'm not buying the, Fate the Zero. Magical Girl one. Oh, Alias Field. Nah, I mean, I'm not. I haven't even watched that yeah. yet. I need to, but I haven't. But anyway, back to Monogatari. Um, certainly, I totally agree with you. This is one of those like I am excited to see more of the Monogatari series, both artistically and plot wise, subject matter wise. I want to know more about the world. I want to see the execution of storytelling. I want that non-linear like scene setting to like keep blowing me away artistically. I want more. And fortunately for us, there is at least three more series that we're going to cover. Um, we're going chronologically speaking in terms of release date um, to really experience Monogatari as it came out. Uh, but that's all of October. So if you are ready for more Monogatari, stay tuned. We're covering more of it next week on time here on your typical show protagonist. You can catch the show on all your podcatchers. We're talking Spotify, iTunes, Amazon podcast at your typical show protagonist or on Twitter at your TSP. That's you TSP. Kai, you got a Twitter too? Yeah, you can find me at stag dreads with a Z over on Twitter um where hopefully eventually i'll grab another follower and we can go and be great and do stuff but until then yeah and of course you can get catch our other products all about general animation western and stuff from the east at content breaker on all your podcatchers and twitter as well we'll catch y'all next week for ookie spooky more monogatari <laughs>